I love being here so much. The hill, the work that is happening here on the hill and through your pastors and through this body, it is far reaching. We just got to bless these Samaritan's Purse Christmas boxes, the, the, the initiatives that you're taking to expand the dream and plant a church. This is incredible work that is happening from the hill. Like a city on a mountain shining in the night for all to see. Are you kidding me? You ain't putting no light under a basket on a hill. People are seeing the light of Jesus. That is, I'm going to have to keep from getting emotional. This is powerful because I was one of those people in the dark. And when you're one of those people in the dark and then you got people shining a light that you can see, that you can come to, you can't help but getting excited about that. I experienced life change because of the light shining through people like you through this church on a hill. Is that good news? And I know there's somebody in this room right now. There's somebody in this room right now who said, you know what, it's going to be worth it to like go over the river and through the woods, like climb up a hill through the snow, you know, in the cold. Some people looked out their window this morning and hit the snooze button and they were like, nope, not today. I'll see it online. I'm going to watch some Netflix, something. But other people were like, I desperately need to get to church. You know, something happened last night for some of you in this room. Something happened on Saturday. And you're like, man, I think I might need Jesus. I might need to come into a house where there's light and love and grace and truth. And, and like, I was one of those people. So if you are one of those in that place this morning, I would just like to say welcome, welcome, because you are in a safe place you are in a loving place. These are loving people, and you, there is no place that is better to be on a Sunday morning than right here in the house of the Lord, in the house of the Lord. I'm excited. I'm thankful for J Pastor Jeff. He has been um, missional. God has used him in my life, his, his grace. Uh, Jeff has gone through a lot, but man, is he a soldier? I was talking to Pastor Mark. I was like, Jeff is just a soldier. He's, he's resilient, and he continues to just pour out love, pour out love. Whenever, whenever I hug Jeff, Pastor Jeff, I feel like I'm just hugging a Christmas gift that is just, and I don't want to let it go. I'm like, don't, you don't have to go anywhere. It's, uh, I want to take you home with me and just please comfort me. It's amazing. You have amazing pastors. It's a great place. So, um, thank you once again. I'm really blessed to be here. Um, you know, for some people, this is a great, this is a great, the Lord has given me a great gift um, with the snow because it kind of ties into the theme of what we're talking about this morning. Um, some people did not leave the house um, because they saw the snow and some people just decide that that's dangerous, right? They are afraid to drive in the snow. And I'm not knocking that. I'm not knocking that. Um, accidents happen in the snow. Uh, and there's maybe some people who are say, you know, it's snowing outside. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not getting in my little Toyota Prius with front wheel drive and trying to get up that hill. Last time I tried that, I was slipping and slided down like the bobsled team during the Olympics, not doing that. And there's this kind of hesitancy that people have to kind of brave environments that can make them feel a little uncomfortable. And this morning, I would just like to talk 
to us, and I'm going to kind of get into an introduction as well. I kind of uh, went past that, but, but uh, I want to talk about fear. I want to talk about fear and faith. I, I want to I talk about uh, stepping out in faith. I, I want to talk about reaching people with love and kind of getting out of our comfort zone. I want to talk about what God's called us to and who God's called us to and how, and how it takes faith to do that. I want to talk about some of our dispositions to err on the side of safety. And, and, and before I do that, I, I just want to, I do want to reiterate, um, and maybe I shouldn't, I don't want to confuse people, but I do have an ADHD type mind. Um, diagnosed, so I'm not just saying that, you know. Um, it will become very clear and evident. <laughs> Uh, through these two services, like, where is this guy going, and squirrel, and all that. <laughs> Rabbit trails. But I heard that um, on the hill, there is a, you, you guys take, a, like, give a lot of time. You do church on Sunday. And so I asked Pastor Jeff, I said, how long do sermons usually last? He's like, anywhere between 30 and 60 minutes. So I'm kind of safe. I'm safe. That's a window. That's a wide window. Um, I have an amazing family, and I just want to introduce them to you so you can get to know me a little bit. I have a fantastic family. There's a picture of us in Disney World. I don't have a clicker. Hopefully, there they are. Um, so that's my beautiful wife. Isn't she gorgeous? That is Kelly, the love of my life, married eight years. Those are our two kids, Andrew, kind of behind Mickey Mouse there, and uh, Maddie. She is my little tiny tune. Um, she wears these glasses, and when she puts her glasses on, her eyes just get so huge, big and blue, and she's just kind of like filled with so much joy. She's not afraid of anything. She wants to try all sorts of things, and uh, she's like kind of my pride and joy. My son, that's, my, that's like my roll dog. That's, that's, my, that's my boy. You know, we, we do things together. We go fishing together. We, we like to spend time together. He likes to wrestle um, I told him that, that I'm the only person in his life that he's allowed to hit. I can take it. So, so whenever he kind of acts out a little bit, I go, hey, who's the only person in, in this world that you're allowed to hit? And he's like, daddy. And I'm like, all right, come on, bring it on. Bring it on and, and just kind of take him out. Or... <laughs> all right, come on, let's try it again. All right, so you got to keep your guard up. You got to keep your guard up. That's why I work out in the gym. Now, don't get it twisted. I don't do any cardio. I just lift weights because I know he's going to get bigger. And so I'm going to be eating those words when the time comes. But, yes, those are, those are my kids. That's my family. My wife is an administrator um, in Baltimore City School System. Uh, she works off of North Avenue and Wolf Street. Um, that is a really difficult uh, area of town, um, and we love it. We love it. We love touching lives in the city. Um, I've mentored students in the city. We're very involved. Actually, our student ministries is going to be taking about 120 frozen turkeys down to the Hartford Heights community to provide Thanksgiving for the families there, which is an awesome gift. And so, yeah, the Lord's doing some work through our family. Uh, we're, we're tight, man. Kelly, whew, pray for her. She has to put up with all this. She has to put up with all my crazy. And it's so cool because I'm so like enthusiastic, energetic, kind of uh, extroverted with the ADHD. And Kelly is steady, stable. 
She's very, she has a great sense of humor. That's the first thing that really attracted me to her. She can make me laugh so hard. And she, when she laughs, I, I pro, I'm not just saying this. When she laughs, it just like fills my life with joy. I just love hearing her laugh. I can't help but laugh when she laughs. Do you, does anybody have that relationship with like their husband or wife? Like when you laugh, I'm laughing. I don't care what you're laughing about. It's going to make me laugh. It's going to bring me joy. And so, um, so Kelly and I, were like a really close team. And it's, uh, it's just amazing to be to be in, uh, to have this family. I love what the Lord's doing there. So let, thank you for letting me introduce them. I do want to talk about this idea of fear and safety. Um, as a pastor, and over my 12 years kind of being involved with the church in full-time vocational ministry, I have experienced places of great discomfort and uncomfortability. Um, I have to do prison visits as a part of my ministerial sacerdotal service. Prison visits or going to hospice care units, spending time with people who are taking their last breaths on earth. I, I have to go into um, mental institutions to visit young people who are dealing with deep depression and even thoughts of suicide. Um, and, and sit with them, minister to them. Um, there are places that the Lord has called me into that are very uncomfortable. And I'm telling you right now, like, fear exists when it comes to those places. It might translate different. It's not a fear as if, like, I'm going to go, like, running away screaming, like, oh, this is scary. But there is, there is a certain nervousness, right? There are nerves that take place. And there is this, like, deep in my, like, gut kind of uncomfortability where it feels like butterflies. Have you ever felt that in your life where you got to step into something uncomfortable and it's like, oh, Lord, like, this doesn't feel right. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to uh, approach this, you know? I, I, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. I don't want to put myself out there. It, it can happen when you go, for some of us, you know, this happens to me sometimes. Like, I go to a party, and I don't know anybody. It's like all of my wife's colleagues. And I have that same, like, queasy feeling. Like, I might be an extrovert, but I get social anxiety, man. Like, I, I might get filled up by people, but that doesn't always necessarily mean I want to be around them. So like, <laughs> I'm just, it's this weird, like, I don't know, weird thing. So anyway, so, so we can go into those places like, oh man, I don't know anybody and what am I going to say? And they're going to ask me to take off my shoes when I get into the house. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to be standing around in my socks. Like that's uncomfortable. Like who wants to do that? By the way, if you have people over your house, just don't, don't, like, can we wear our shoes in the house? Like, vacuum later or put a cleaning crew into your budget. It's just weird. It's just weird. Like, I wore holy socks. That's not a pun, no pun intended. I just, my socks are holy, and now I got to talk to you, small talk, about how horrible the Steelers are and how great the Ravens are. And... <laughs> But there is this nervousness, right? There's, there can be a hesitancy to move toward people, to do things that, that, that we sense um, are going to challenge us. 
stretch us, and we don't want to be stretched. We like living in the bubble, in the, in the safety zone. I went to a high school called, uh, in uh, Owings Mills. I went to, to talk at this high school, and I was nervous about it. I was really nervous. This was just a couple weeks ago, and, and, I, and they, they asked me, they said, hey, it's American Education Week. We would love for you to come and speak to our students about perseverance. Like, just come and speak to them about perseverance. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. Great. And so I get there, and the auditorium's filling up, right? And, and this, like, I'm in student ministries, but, but this dynamic that was in the auditorium, like, it, it was a different setting. This wasn't like a church kid's setting. This was a very different setting. I heard a lot of language, a lot of choice words. There was, it was very colorful in the room as kids were walking in. And, and, and I'm, I'm sitting in the back, and it's like loud, and I'm, I'm hearing just a lot of chatter. And I'm, I'm looking out, and I'm like, man, like, I, these don't look like anything like my church kids. Like, what have, what have I got myself into? And then, like, I, I watched one class, this, this kid. Uh, they're, they're in the back and they're like sweating and kind of like shaking. And I'm like, are you okay? Like what's going on? These kids had to read a poem in front of their peers, the student body. And I'm like, are you okay? Are you going to make it? And, and they're like, well, um, I'm really nervous. My friends are out there. They're going to make fun of me. I'm, I'm going to be on their fan page and they're going to like mess with the video and make me look like a fool and my reputation's at stake. And so like, I feel like I'm kind of going into like the lion's den right now. I don't know what to do. I can't even read good. Like what is going on? And so I'm just telling them like, hey, take your time. It's going to be fine. Just stand beneath the banner of, you know, the Lord's spirit. Like, he will help you. You have courage. You take yourself up and you be, you know, someone who can stand courageously and confidently in front of your peers. And you just, you deliver that message. You, you deliver that poem. And they're like, okay, okay. And they go out there and, like, they, it's just noise. The, the students aren't even hearing them, you know. And then all of a sudden I get, I get announced and I'm like, man, I don't think I want to go out there. And um, I'm getting a little like, I can't even take my own advice, Pastor Jeff. I can't. I'm like, I cannot do this. Like, this is crazy. And so all of a sudden, uh, the person who brought me, I was like, so everybody just give a big hand for Luke. I was like, they can't even hear you. Everybody give a big hand for Luke Casagrande. And then I was like, Did, am I supposed to go? Like, is it my time? So I come out. I'm like, hey, what's up, high school students? How's everybody doing? And they went like this. <laughs> and they just started laughing at me. And I'm standing there while I'm getting laughed at. I was like, all right, maybe I came in a little too hot. It's like first period. Like maybe they weren't ready for that. And I come out. And so here's what happened. I promised them in this time, I'm being laughed at. They don't know how to take me. They don't know who I am. Here's what I had to do. I had to press in and make a promise to them that I was going to give them every bit of my best and that no matter how it's received or no matter what happened in that room, and I'm saying this vocally, I say no matter how this is received or no matter what goes on in this room, I'm going to step in and give you my very best because here's the truth. I have something to learn in this experience. I have growth that needs to take place. The Lord is going to stretch 
me in stepping into this place of great discomfort and bringing my very best. That is what the Lord is calling us to, church, to step into places of great discomfort, trusting his spirit, the work that is in us, stepping into those places and saying, you know what? No matter what happens, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to feel the tension and I'm going to experience growth. That's how the spirit of God begins to permeate through his people, that we are willing to step into those places and say, have your way, even if it means I'm going to do it afraid. That's the work. I learned this in the way that I was teaching my kids how to manage this tension between fear and safety. And here's what happened. We went to Disney World, as you can see. And here's, here's, here's a place of vulnerability with me. Um, I don't do heights. I am terrified of heights. And I hate roller coasters. I hate roller coasters. I do not like them. I do not do them. If you're in the room, you love roller coasters, go ahead. Go ahead, raise your hand. Let me see. Who are my roller coaster people? Yeah, all of you. Okay, great. Enjoy a short life. How about the ones who aren't such fans of roller coasters? Anybody? Don't do them. Don't do them. And, and, and so we go to Disney World and we visit all the parks. We wore Disney World out. Like, we rode every single ride. We, we did work. My wife planned the whole thing. Type A planning person. We're going to do this at this time, go to this park, visit this ride. Then we're going to get the fast pass and go on this one. And this one's at 1040 and we're going to visit these people. She's just like a rock star. And I'm just like, yeah, let's go. And I'm just going to push the kids. I just push the kids. Follow mom. First day, they're worn out. They're, they're worn out. I had to get one of those carts to push. My kids are seven and five. I'm pushing them in these carts like, we're going. We're going. Daddy, I'm tired. I'm tired. No, we're in Disney World. We're going to do this. Come on. <laughs> but I don't do roller coasters, right? I'm encouraging them towards something that I don't even do. <laughs> so, so there's Space Mountain. Space Mountain, a ride in the dark. Awesome. Uh, a roller coaster in the dark. <laughs> space. So we're here. We're going to do Space Mountain. My son is stoked. And I say, hey, you're going to do this. Actually, he didn't know what it was. He didn't know what it was initially. Then I told him, it's a roller coaster in the dark. And he wasn't that excited. That's not how excited he was. He was excited when he saw the sign, and then I told him what it was, and he was less excited. <laughs> Disclaimer. But I told my daughter, who's younger than him, she's five, I said, you're going to get on this roller coaster because it'll be fun, and you will enjoy yourself. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a great time, and... Um, Daddy's not going to go with you, <laughs> but mommy's going, and I'm going to hold the purse, and grandpa will go, and you guys will have a great time. It'll be fun. Let go of me. Go with your mother, and I'll stand right here waiting. <sighs> 
Like that was my initial bent. But then I realized something. Um, I can't teach my kids that way. Oh, man, and I have to get on this roller coaster. Because I can't be a say, do as I say and not as I do dad. I have to be a do as I say and do as I do dad. And that's my daughter on the roller coaster. She's like amped, right? Look how relaxed she is. She's so relaxed. She's like, this is fun. This is great. And she, she's on there, and, and I'm like showing her that this is what it is to have a great time on Space Mountain. But, but as I experience it, I look like this. <laughs> do you see how white my knuckles are? But I realized something, like when we're willing to step into those places, what we're doing is we're showing the world what it looks like to be made for more. Like my kids, like I have to be willing to go places with them as I challenge them. We have to be willing to go places as we see the spirit of God and where he's needed. We have to be able to go places because here's what I learned from this. Even though that was a terrifying place for me, it was exactly what my daughter was created for in that moment. And when we're willing to show the world that we're willing to do something afraid, you might be showing somebody what it looks like to walk in the fullness of their calling because of what you're willing to do. As you meet somebody right where they are and you have the world watching or the church watching you and you bring people along into these places of discomfort and you kind of get out of your comfort zone, it might be a place of great discomfort for you, but it might be exactly what they're created for, the person next to you. And so it's not just about you. It's not just about you saying yes to something that's uncomfortable. It's about saying yes to something that's uncomfortable because you have no idea the witness, the witness that you will bring and express in leading the people around you, other followers, into their purpose and calling. That is why we do hard things, church. That is why we get out of our comfort zone as individuals because the world is watching and we're saying some things about how big we believe God to be. We're saying some things and showing some things about if we truly believe that God is indeed the creator of the universe, that he did indeed reconcile all mankind back to himself, that he is indeed the savior of humanity. That we are speaking some things, and if we are unable to walk into these uncomfortable places, then how much really do we believe that that is true? And so if we step into the belief and get on the ride, get on the ride, because maybe somebody else's calling and purpose depends on your witness in doing it afraid. So many people have learned about their purpose and calling as they've walked with me in places of uncomfortability. Places where they didn't feel like they had what it takes or they couldn't do something. The Bible tells us that we can do all things through Christ. We can do all things through Christ. That in him love is made perfect and perfect love casts out fear. We're called, we're called to do the uncomfortable, to get vulnerable. And that's the the nature of our text, like how vulnerable, how uncomfortable are we willing to be? Our text is found in Luke uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. 
Where we find Jesus, he's just finished the Sermon on the Mount. He's walking, he's traveling to Capernaum, which is like his home base of sorts, where his ministry kind of flows from. And so he, we pick him up here, and he's met by this group of people on behalf of a centurion, a Roman centurion. Here's, here's where we pick up in the text. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with him. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Jesus is entering into Capernaum. He's met by a group of Jewish elders. And they come to him saying, can you please come to my master's house? This centurion, this Roman centurion, his servant who he deeply loves is ill and is about to die. Jesus agrees and begins walking. And as he does, the centurion sends his friends out once again and says, don't bother yourself to come under my roof. Just say the word and he'll be healed. It says that Jesus was amazed at this statement. That word in the Greek for amazed, it means to marvel. To marvel. That, that, when you think about marveling, I've been marveling at Lamar Jackson's gameplay. Uh, <laughs> marveling. And, and, and when you marvel, what is the first word that comes to your mouth? This text touches my heart so deeply because God with flesh on said wow to the faith of somebody who he created. Did you know that you can have such a faith and obedience in your life and it can, can cause the creator of the universe to marvel? Nowhere else in the New Testament does it say that God said, wow, except for one other place. And we're going to look at that. But you have a faith, a measure of faith, and you have a body, and you have a spirit that when put into action at its fullest measure, when you say yes to obedience and stepping into hard places, you can literally have the creator of the universe look at you and say, wow. Awestruck, amazed, marveling at the love 
that is being exercised through you by his spirit, your boldness, your trust in him, God can stand amazed at you and say, wow. There are steps of faith that I see all throughout this narrative. If we look a little bit deeper, this is a Roman centurion, a Gentile, arguably not yet a believer. And even still, because of his faith, one that was far from God, God says, wow. How much more so can God say, wow, when it comes to me and you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done? God can say, wow, in the way that we live out our faith. This is a centurion Roman guard. This is a man who has hundreds of Roman soldiers beneath him. And he's a Gentile. And I see the small steps of faith, these vulnerable places of discomfort that that he was taking in this narrative because it says that he sent Jewish elders, people who were considered near to God, he sent Jewish elders as friends to Jesus. Now, let's just back up a little bit. What would it take for a Roman centurion Gentile to become friends and have such a reputation with Jewish elders. What sort of lines need to be crossed in order for that relationship to happen where Jewish elders are advocating on behalf of a Roman centurion? We don't think about that, do we? A Roman centurion who represents Rome in Capernaum, in Israel, his his job is to place a heavy yoke on the Israelite people in bringing Roman culture to them, taxing the people, making sure they stay in line, making sure that they abide the laws of Rome, that they, that they uh, worship Caesar. Like this is his job. This is who he is. This is what he represents. And here we have this person making friends with Jewish elders who represent Israel and who for hundreds of years have been thirsting for their Messiah to deliver them from the hands of bondage. And these two are friends. Wow. The Jewish elders say, this is a good man. He deserves for you to do this, Jesus. He built our synagogue. What? I wonder if this Roman centurion ever experienced the people who were placed over his, who were placed as authoritative figures over him. I wonder if they ever tried to check him a little bit on this stuff. Like, hey man, you're getting a little too close. Making a few too many friends spending a few too many resources, building a few too many buildings, helping out a few too many people, giving a few too many handouts. What are you doing? And I wonder if these Jewish elders from the other side, if there's other elders and priests and people, uh, experts of religious law, who are saying to the Jewish elders who are making friends with this guy, hey guys, we're not supposed to be friends with him. We're not supposed to be taking handouts from him. We're not supposed to be 
you know, sitting at the table with him. We're not supposed to be in his house. What is going on? Like, what are you doing? And you know what struck me just this weekend? Like, literally yesterday, is that this can be so represented in church. Like, when someone's in the world and they start moving toward the gospel, start moving toward the church, they're going to have people in their life going, what are you hanging out with those people for? Bible thumpers? Like church? I remember somebody in my life, oh yeah, you'll be saved. He was like mocking me, save your soul, you're going to hell. Like mocking what I was a part of, I was a bartender at the time. And I remember like even from people who are very close to me, are you sure you know what you're doing? Why are you hanging out with those people? It's weird. Like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you come with us? Let's go hit the bar. Let's hit the nightclub. Like, let's go hang out. Let's smoke this, drink this. Like, what are you doing? And I kind of had to allow the spirit to kind of tear me away from that. But in the same way, we can become so religious and so self-righteous that when somebody's actually willing to move close to us from that side of the world, that we're like, oh, I don't want to get close to that. Oh, no, they're a sinner. Like, and we can have people in our life saying, hey, man, you, you, be careful. You don't want to get too close to that. You don't want to associate with that. That's too dirty. That's unclean. You, that reputation, you don't know. You don't know where they're from. Do you know their past? Like, it, and like, what kind of faith did it take for Jewish elders to move toward a Roman centurion? And what type of faith did it take for a Roman centurion to move toward Jewish elders? <laughs> and this happened. And then miracles started happening because they said he built our synagogue. And he starts to learn more about the scriptures and, and who the Messiah is. And, and he learns through these people who Jesus is and where he is. Like, it's crazy the relationship that begins to happen and what lives begin to be transformed because somebody was willing to leave something behind in moving towards something. And the same is true for the other side of people to leave some things behind in order to move forward toward this guy where they are in the place of greatest possibly greatest resistance meets God's greatest breakthrough. Because it's by this relationship that Jesus is able to enact a miracle that, that, that takes place not even in his proximity. It was in the centurion's house that the servant was unwell. And by way of this relationship, the word is able to carry through God's people to touch the life of someone who is dying and he's made well. I'm just wondering, are we the type of people who are able to leave some things behind that represent our comfort zone in order to meet God in the places he's calling us to so that miracles can take place and we can actually be proactive agents, contributing agents to that miracle actually happening? When the gospel is... Love hit flesh. Love conquered flesh. Love brought flesh, brought spirit back into the household. That that was a place where love and flesh were fighting. Sin and love were fighting. And love conquered sin. And if we are able to begin to represent that through our church, through our relationships, hey, guess what? I'm going to meet you where you're at. It's going to be hard. There's, there might be a little bit of a fight, but guess what? Love's going to win here because I know who has the last word. His name is Jesus. 
And so through me saying yes to some things that might be hard and leaving some things behind, I'm actually able to bring the spirit of Jesus into this place and be a contributing agent to this heaven-touching earth agenda. And when that happens, miracles happen. Healing takes place. People get brought into the house of God. That's the challenge. That's why we say yes to God. That's why Jesus says, drop your nets and follow me. That's why when he called Matthew the tax collector, he immediately left his tax booth and followed Jesus. Because things change when we're willing to get out of that comfort zone, say yes to God, and move toward people, dare I say, who are not like us. They come from a different world. But man, what a story. What a story takes place when we say yes in moving toward people who are different from us. Those two couldn't have been any more different, representing two different nations, two different ideals, two different lords, different gods, different culture. Holy smokes! They couldn't have been more different. And yet, something happens. Who are you willing to move toward? It's just a question who are we moving toward this week? Advent season is coming up. I know you have this charge. Each one, reach one. Bring somebody to an Advent service. There is no more winsome time than Advent to get somebody to church. Who are we moving toward? Who are we inviting to experience the love of Jesus? Where we're, we're willing to say, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone, let this permeate out here on my block, and I'm going to, in my job, in my house, in my community, I'm going to begin to invite somebody into the house that I am so privileged to be a part of. Who are we moving toward? And then miracles happen. Miracles happen when we're willing to do that. And it takes vulnerability. It takes a willingness to be vulnerable. And it can feel like this. When we initially do it, it can feel a little shaky, right? It can feel a little vulnerable, a little shaky. Like, oh no, this feels weird. I don't know them, but I'm called to, to love them. And so I'm going to just kind of move towards them or move towards that. Like God is just, there's so many uh, miracles that God has in store for us. And if we're just active participants in that plan and what God wants us to do, like miracles take place. And all we got to do is take a little step, like little steps. It doesn't have to be a big, like, it doesn't have to be a round-off dismount. It doesn't have to be a backflip or a cartwheel. It's just God's calling us the little steps. That's what that story is. It's, it's just little steps over time. And I wonder for us, I'm just, I'm just asking, like, like, what is the little step for you so that the Lord can begin to enact miracles through you? Like, hey, guess what, Lord? You know what? There's, a, there's some reconciliation that needs to take place. There's some forgiveness that needs to take place. Father, there's, there's some business that you and I kind of need to do with one another. Here's the thing, God, like, I don't want to do this anymore. That addiction, my anger, my, my anxiety, my stress. Maybe the first step is just offering what we have to the Lord. Maybe our comfort zone. Hey, God, like, I, I, I've been struggling with my career. <laughs> it's a little bit bigger. But Lord, how about this? Until like I 
find other answers out there. I just want to move toward who you're calling me to be in this career. And I'm not going to forsake that. I'm going to walk in the fullness of that. I'm, I'm making that decision. Lord, hey, um, there's a fractured relationship where a little bit sideways and I'm scared to move closer to that person because of how they might react. But Father, I'm trusting. So I'm going to take a step. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit shaky. It's a little bit shaky. But I'm going to trust you. Maybe, hey God, I've gotten sideways. I've stopped going to meetings. I'm starting to look for that fulfillment in other places. Lord, help me with this addiction that I'm dealing with. Help me get back into meetings. Help me call that sponsor who I've been ignoring, placing on mute. Father, there's a, there's a relationship that I'm in. And Lord, we got to get things right because I know it's so outside of your will. The way that we're navigating this relationship, it is not healthy. And so I just want to move toward that. And when we start offering these things up to God and actually taking active steps toward healing, toward health, toward people. Hey, hey God, um, I've been going to the same Starbucks for years. They know my name. They know my drink. When I come in, it's pretty much ready. I know how much it costs. I pay with exact change. I say hello and goodbye. Each one bring one. Hey, guess what? They know so much about you just based off of the drink that you've ordered at Starbucks. <laughs> that maybe you can get to know them a little bit. And beyond that, maybe you could bring them to the Advent series that we have lined up at Grace Fellowship Church, Shrewsbury on the Hill. A coworker. Hey, man, I know you've been going through a really hard time. How is that? How's that going? Hey, man, there's some stuff. Hey, how are your kids? I know your kid, you said your kid was sick the other day. How, how, they, how are they doing? Another step, like, hey, hey, uh, we got this series at, at the church that is going to blow your socks off. Like, it is just so full of love and what God did. It's, the, it's Christmas. We're, we're talking about Christmas. You want to come? I think it'd be really great if you just came. And then guess what? I'll buy you coffee afterwards. Let's go to that Starbucks we always go to. I'll buy you lunch, Chipotle. But it's just these little steps, these little steps, these little steps, these little steps, time after time. And then as we start doing it, as we keep doing it, here's the thing. Spiritual hunger is so counter to physical hunger. It doesn't work in the same way. The more you eat physically, the less hungry you become. You take bites and you go, mm, that was good. I'm full. Spiritual hunger doesn't work like that. Spiritual hunger works. The more you eat, the more hungry you become. You want to eat and eat and eat something that tastes good. As you start just taking those little steps, walking toward people, doing random acts of kindness, blessing people in Jesus' name, speaking truth in love, coming after reconciliation, asking for forgiveness, uh, embracing God's grace, showing people love, doing the hard thing. I'm telling you, you will never be full and you will actually want more. It's how the spirit works. You start doing bigger things more comfortably for the kingdom the more you begin to step. So we got to start stepping. Start stepping. Start stepping. Start stepping. Start walking. Who are you moving toward, church? Are you moving toward God? Moving toward Christ? Moving toward your neighbor? 
your coworker, your friend, your enemy. We're so afraid about hearing the opinions of others. You don't think these two people had opinions? Yet they move toward each other, willing to listen. They form a friendship. God works. Miracle happens. Someone's healed. It's the kingdom. I saw this illustration. You know, sometimes we can go, we can take that first step, or like the beam is so laced with hypotheticals. When we start to like step out on the ledge, like there's all these hypotheticals about everything that will go wrong or could go wrong will. It gets a little shaky. It's like, oh, see, see, I, th- I thought I'd take a step. I was going to take a step, but got a little, uh-oh, ooh, and then we, okay, God, that was scary. Um, so, God, um, I didn't like that. <laughs> I don't like what's out there. I saw this from Francis Chan. I don't like what that, what's out there. Um, so I'm just going to like. Lord, I just want to hug what I have. Don't call me out of my comfort zone. I just... I just want to be with you. I don't want to go anywhere hard. I just, Lord, protect my kids, and I just want to kiss them every night to go to bed. And, Father, I'm just going to eat all organic foods. And, Father, SPF 50 all the time, even when it's snowing outside on Sunday. I'm just going to, because the sun has bad rays. And, Father, we, we're going to do homeschool. We're going to do homeschool, and that's okay, Lord, but just we're doing it because... Uh, bullies or we don't know what's going on and my kids are going to wear helmets just just give them helmets all the time and father we're just gonna just keep me here lord and and father i just want a good job 401k you know have that be strong and pumpkin spice lattes all the time and i just want to think about the calling that you have on my life i want to just contemplate my purpose and pray just experience you and be with you. I just want to live a long life, you know, to like 90, I don't know, 9, 99 would be good. And Father, the, the last thing I just want, just like when it's time for me to go, I just I pray. I don't want to feel it. I just want to die in my sleep. Just, just die in my sleep, Lord, and just keep me safe. And I don't want anybody to look at me in traffic. And... I don't want anybody to look me in the eyes in line at Starbucks. I just want to keep my head down, stare at my phone, and <sighs> thank you. And then we go to sleep when we're 99. <sighs> and we got this, like, we're getting off the beam, and it's like we're sleeping. <sighs> and then the time comes. like dismount (laughs) and we stand in front of the judge and we're like (laughs) and the judge (laughs) the judge goes wow wow it's it's mark six says that Jesus went into his hometown, but he couldn't perform many miracles there because of their lack of faith. 
And this is the only other time in the whole New Testament that it says that God was wowed. And he was wowed by their lack of faith. I couldn't accomplish any miracles through you. Because you just wanted to doubt and play it safe. You just wanted to make excuses and hug the beam. I couldn't work any miracles through you. You wouldn't move toward anybody. You didn't do any hard things. You didn't trust me at all. Yeah, you had a great life. But wow, I gave you my spirit, my love, my power that raised my son from the dead, and you hugged the beam? Wow. Jesus marvels at demonstrations of great faith. (laughs) And he also marvels at great lack of faith. He was amazed. I heard it said, it's never too late to be what you could have been. And today, it is my hope that you can say, I'm going to start now. I'm going to take that small step. I'm going to pick up that phone. I'm going to move towards somebody. I'm going to give that invitation. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm not going to say I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray for you right then, right there. I'm going to visit that person. I'm going to move towards someone. I'm going to give. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to let them merge in traffic and say, God bless you. Hope you have a great day. Who are we moving toward? Because as we do that, as we do that, the creator of the universe is saying, I knew this was uncomfortable for you. You were obedient. You did it. And now I'm saying, wow. And he's cheering you on all the way, the whole way. He's cheering you on. He's cheering you on. He's saying, go for it. When my, when my daughter was in gymnast class, she's five years old. When she got on the beam, I was like, that's my girl. You go, girl. You go. And she was like, oh. Every step. Yeah, baby. You go. You take another step. You're doing good, baby. And she said, oh. Get a little more confident. Then I remember she saw the favor of her father, and she went like this. I'm going to do this. And I was like, that's it. You go. Small steps. And Jesus showed us how to do it. Look in the narrative. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look in the narrative. The life of Jesus. The life of Jesus. He knew when he came down in this world, it would be laced with anxiety. It would be laced with darkness. It would be laced with depression. It would be laced with death. It's laced with doubt and addiction and insecurity. It's it's laced with everything that's wanting to hold you in a prison. And he came down and he touched earth and he showed us how to do it. He said, hey, look, here's how you walk. Here's how you love. Here's how you move toward people. Here's how you deal with doubt. Here's how you pray. Here's how you trust God. Here's how you do it. Here's how you meet the destitute, the woman at the well, the person in isolation. Here's how you get out of your comfort zone. I left my throne in heaven to come down to earth so I can show you how to walk this beam. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to call you up. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to lay my life down for you. And at the culmination 
culmination of his ministry. He didn't just leave us here to like walk the beam. He actually took the beam and he put the beam on his back. And he took that beam up a hill called Skull. And he was nailed to that beam on the cross on that hill between two thieves. And his blood covered that beam. And his blood covered the doubt. It covered the depression. It covered the anxiety. It covered the insecurity. It covered the sin. It covered the forsakenness. It covered feeling of doubt and guilt and shame and all of these things, the sickness, the things that separate us from God, the transgression. He was nailed to that beam. His blood covered it all. And he took that beam after he was nailed to it. He laid his life down. He gave his life up. And after three days in being in a grave, he rose again. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. So you're not walking on a beam. You're walking on Jesus. You're walking on his promises. You're walking on his grace. You're walking on his love. You're walking on his truth. You're walking on his foundation. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never forget you. He will never leave you alone. He will constantly call you up because you are his and he is God. And so you can walk by faith. Oh